Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, the Nets lost to the Kings. Just how concerning is this skid for Brooklyn? And behind a big night from AD, the Lakers broke their losing streak. But despite the win, are trade wins blowing through Los Angeles? And we'll recap John's visit to the Mecca. Bing bong. Are we still doing that? Whatever. The misery continues. Stephen A., what is up with your squad? NBA Today starts right now. I'm you just going to give him some you know time. What? Let, let me help with production real quick, then we'll get to the topic. Get the video, get the video when he's in the crowd with the fans. The garden was on fire at the start. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. sad. All of a sudden, all hell broke loose. It's so embarrassing. We're here. Yeah. We're here. <laughs> give it to me. Give it to me. We here. We here. We here. And he is here. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews, joined by the one and only Stephen A. Smith and two-time WNBA All-Star Janae Agumake. Stephen A., I'm sorry. Molly, she, she set you up for that one. Honestly, all of y'all, all of y'all, the ladies have not been very good to me at ESPN, okay? The His and Her podcast, NBA Today. She comes on first take getting at me. You're supposed to be my girl. You're supposed to be my girl, Malika. I mean, You're supposed I, to look out for me, okay? I did your makeup that day yes, in that did. video. So yes, you did. Well, I you were a huge help because Lord, Lord knows how I look without it. But the point is, Molly comes in, and it's the Benedict Arnold of ESPN, Molly, who betrays me at every It turn. was actually me but, who brought up the game. I'm, I, I I would not let my girl Molly take this heat. Oh, it's just you? It was me. I would say, you saw what happened in the garden? You saw what the great. girl, too. I mean, I'm just, I'm putting a little halo still here though. my head. I'm here. I'm in L.A. He's here, and because here. he's in L.A., it feels like we have to start with your beloved Knicks hosting the Memphis Grizzly and the dark side last night. Sorry, there sorry. he is, John Morant, and he is in the garden. So he's visiting the New York Knicks. John Morant, he really had it going early in the first quarter today, and it wasn't even all scoring. I love this. This was the play that set up the play. Look at this beautiful lob to Zaire williams Stanford, and guess what? It was returned. The favor was returned. This right here was SportsCenter Top 10. I mean, when do you get post throwing lobs to their guards like that? Wild time. Well, and Morant finished with 15 points and five assists in the first half, and the Grizzlies were up by double digits. But let's go ahead to the fourth quarter because Evan Fournier had a little something to say. Hey, uh, Stephen A., Evan Fournier with a three. This is what you love to see, right? This is a good part in the highlight. Yes, if it leads to victory, Sinead. <laughs> well, but check this out because during the ensuing timeout, Randall, he comes to the Grizzlies bench, and Desmond Bain, he does not like that. So each player was assessed a technical and Bain called into ESPN Radio after the game. We're in a huddle. It's late game, you know, and he just walks right into our huddle. Um, you know, I, I don't like that. Um, you know, it's just a part of professionalism and some things that, you know, you don't do. You know, I used to do that stuff when I was in middle school and high school, but, um, you know, we've we grown, we grown now. So, I mean, I, I had to get him up out of there. So here's something we know about the Memphis Grizzlies. They do not back down to absolutely anyone. Later in the fourth, Memphis up six. 
Check that. They're up by more now. So Williams finds Bain beyond the arc. The Grizzlies, they go on to win it 120-108. Here's John Morant after the game. It's the unicorn man and the ninja in here checking in. Ain't no running in the M, man. We climb up the chimney. Yeah, for sure. We ain't ducking no smoke, man. We're going to let everybody know we're here. We're going to play hard, trying to get a win. And if you don't like it, oh well. We play with energy. We play with intensity. We love that. That brings joy to us. That back and forth. That just, that's just what we like. So, we're going to play that game. We can play that game. Man, if y'all right. like this right here? Yeah. I hope so. I've been seeing us for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love John Morant and the Grizzlies swagger. And actually, Tim McMahon had a great story on ESPN.com yesterday that sort of embodies all of that. But Stephen A., when you look at G12, when you look at John Morant, what do you like more, his attitude or his game? Well, I'm always going to say the game first. There's no question. But you're assuming I like watching John (laughs) Morant. I don't like watching John Morant, ladies and gentlemen. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most miserable things I have to experience because John Morant went number two overall. Who had the number three pick that year? It was the Knicks. Yep. Just like in 2009, okay, they had the eighth pick. Where did Steph Curry go? Number seven. This is what we've been dealing with as New York Knicks fans, okay? So I'm not happy about it at all. John Moran is a superstar in the making. I love the Memphis Grizzlies and their crew. They're young, they're athletic. They've got that moxie with them. The whole bit, they talk trash, they back it up. They don't do anything dirty, illegal, or anything. They just go out there and ball. Bain was alluding to it as right. Bain did nothing wrong. That was all Julius Randle. He had no business doing that. And I'm a Knicks fan. I'm very disappointed in how Julius Randle has conducted himself this year. I don't think he's been the leader that I expected him to be. He got my vote for most improved player last year. He's got my point, my vote, as the biggest disappointment this year because of how he has conducted himself, being all ultra-sensitive to the fans. When you played well, we praised you. When you were suspect, we caught you on it. And then after that, he gets an attitude. I think that has led to the struggles the New York Knicks have I think that's the reason that you don't see stuff like that happening in Memphis because you got a crew that loves playing together, that is confident in what they can do, and they go out there and they take on all comers and they prove it. They might be the biggest box office attraction collectively in the NBA right now. So when Ja isn't playing against your Knicks. I love him. (laughs) I love him. I'm just double-checking today. I'm just making sure. And for me, I'm the same way with Stephen A. The game comes first. I think all the icing on the cake is the Twitter, the conversation. You saw what he said to Jaron Jackson Jr. in the, you know, press. By the way, what did you think of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s jacket? Do you like the green? Not my color. It's not your color. Not my color, but it was kind of fly. I can't deny But how do you not love this game? You know, everyone, we thought, myself, Perk, and RJ last night on Countdown, we're like, this guy's going to probably go for 40. But the next level, the reason why they're successful, the reason why they succeed, the Grizzlies, is because he's willing to put put the team first. He didn't force anything, thinking this is my moment. I'm coming off of, you know, seven or so straight 30-point games. No, he let the game come to him. They had 10 players play, and all of them scored. But here's And all but one had an assist. They're building a really great franchise out there and playing amazing basketball. Their game feeds their swagger. Their swagger feeds their game. Jaron Jackson Jr. was on our show earlier this week, and he said we kind of all have that mentality, and it's crazy because that's what makes our team tick on the floor. Because you're here, though, Stephen A., we have to go to your Knicks because they've now lost seven of their last ten, and they're currently out of the playoffs. And so I feel like I just need to give you the floor here, give you the space to process your Knicks. The New York Knicks have lost four of their last five. They've lost seven of their last nine. So at the very least over the last two weeks, the New York Knicks have been trash, period. They're a disappointment. 
to me. They're a disappointment to Spike Lee. They're a disappointment to season ticket holders that they, they charge exorbitant prices to come and watch them play. Um, and it starts with their leader, Julius Randle. He ain't getting it done. And I'm not talking about his numbers because averaging 10, 18 and 10 ain't too shabby. I'm talking about his attitude and being ultra sensitive and as a result being preoccupied with himself as opposed to the team. If you look at him, he dribbles the ball entirely too much. I don't know why the hell Tom Thibodeau got him outside the three-point line dribbling the ball between his legs. Don't get me started with that. And I'm actually getting to a point where, first of all, I'm going to owe Jay Williams a Tom Ford suit. I'm going to owe him a suit because I bet him that the New York Knicks stupidly, I bet him. And I've already lost Can the bet. Can you get RJ I've already lost the bet. Well, he does. Mr. Mr. Chippendales, I don't know what the hell was up with him yesterday with the four <laughs> buttons, you know, loose or whatever. I don't know what he was trying to prove. But, but that's neither here nor there. In the end. I am a lifelong diehard New York Knicks fan, and I actually can sit here and tell you on national TV, I don't want the New York Knicks to make the playoffs. And the reason I don't want the New York Knicks to make the playoffs is because I don't want you to recover from this enough to sit up there and be able to say, hey, we going to be all right. It's not all right. It's not all right. And so losing and missing the playoffs will send the right message that back to the drawing board, and maybe then we'll have a Leon Rose sighting. Who doesn't do interviews for crying out loud? I mean, I, uh, who? I, I don't know anyone that has been seen less than Leon Rose. I, I have a question for right. you, but first, you t- you talk about you know bringing the game first and foremost. So I want to bring you to the big board because you brought me during first take. You let me do your Stephen A's list when it comes to MVP. Come join me as we break down the Knicks so you can see it up close and personal because you may not have watched yesterday because of Ja, but I need to remind you of some things. Come over here. It's right over there. I want to remind you of some things before I ask you this big question. So Julius Randle obviously has not played to the level that we saw that inspired that huge playoff run, even though it was stopped shorter than expected. But the reality is the last five games, the New York Knicks, they've gone one and four. And during that time, Stephen A, they've had the fourth worst offense. And the offense starts with him. And so I want to point out a few things. So Romy, my tape producer, quick, cool, baby. All right, three-point shots. You're not in love with those, Stephen A, no, right? No, not at all. Especially when Julius Randle shoot 30% for three. Yeah, he had a lot of open shots that just did not go down. And sometimes when you feel like you shoot these shots where the defender's hands are down, all right, you have to keep shooting. Instead, get to the rim. But when he did try to get to the rim, look here, you've got four defenders. Maybe you're supposed to find a guard outlet. Instead, he's loose with the ball. And this is a quick, you know, turnover, a lost possession that loses your momentum. But right here, this is what you're talking about, Stephen A. You attack, but... They're he's going lines. left. He is going. He's going left. But look, when he attacks, he's supposed to make the extra play. Instead, right. he sort of forced it. Mm-hmm. So this was, you know, all of the issues on display for the leader of their team. And it begs the question, after you watched all of these plays, Stephen A., do you think that a trade is what is better in this scenario? I would have said no before his attitude showed me something different. You got to have the right attitude. My biggest problem with Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett probably prior to the attitude issues was the fact that I don't give a damn if they're going up the block, around the corner, through the arena. They're coming left. They're Just wait for them to come left. They're coming, dear. They're coming left. That was my problem with them. But now it's taking on a life of its own because if you're Tom Thibodeau, why you have this guy away from the basket, dribbling the ball between his legs or whatever, you ever look at Julius Randle up in person? You see how strong and powerful he is? All you have to do is take the ball, attack or dish, attack or dish. He out there acting like he Kyrie. He don't have those kind of skills. He's a one-armed bandit, okay? He's the modern-day Clyde Drexler, but you ain't on that level. When you got like, when it's like that, 
pass the ball. And that's what he's not doing. And then the attitude problems, of course, they should entertain trading him. They absolutely should at least entertain it. Okay, thank you for sharing the space with me. You let, <laughs> let me do that on first take. Well, what's bad his, is his, that you his, know basketball. So because you know basketball, you get to dissect and, and slice it up to make me feel even worse. Let me hope you. Your A list was all right. Let me hope you. Okay. At least, you know. Thank you, sir. RJ okay. Barrett has been maybe a tiny bit of a bright. I'm not trying to give you silver linings, but a tiny bit of a bright spot in this stretch. RJ Barrett? RJ Barrett. He said that he started to play a little bit better. He's feeling like he's getting into a rhythm after missing some time with a non COVID illness and a COVID illness. So, sort of all of that was going down with the next two. But we'll he's give you a break. Right. He's using his right hand more. We'll That's give good. you a break on the next, all right? Please. I, we will. All right. Because still to come on NBA Today, might Russell Westbrook be heading east? Okay. All right. Not really, but it's fun to play trade proposals with Bobby Marks. And speaking of surprises, the Nets lost to the Kings. Don't miss our panel's reaction to Brooklyn's skid. And Luca and Joel dropped monster performances last night. Find out why their efforts both resulted in head-scratching L's. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This will be the sixth straight loss for Brooklyn. Again, the longest of the Steve Nash era. And the Nets are searching for answers. Definitely frustrating. It's definitely, um, you know, difficult. I mean, I wouldn't call it issues. It's just, you know, we don't want to make it bigger than... Uh, just figuring out how to win a basketball game. And you saw tonight, uh, we, we run out of gas. When you come out, you know, some guys aren't going to have the same legs they had the night before. And that's a fact. When you're going through a losing streak. You know, not really many people want to be hearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, no, I think we've done uh, too much talking. I think uh, it was just, uh, we got to go out there and do it. He's going to take uh, the light on us. They're going to continue to run. Um, what I call uh, playoff adjustment basketball. We, we can keep running and talking in circles with this, you know, in terms of... I mean, who knows? Welcome back to NBA Today. So the Nets, they're riding a six-game losing streak. That's their longest in over two years. And it's in large part because of their defense. Brooklyn is allowing over 120 points per 100 possessions during this span. So that's the second worst mark in the NBA. And the Nets, they have struggled without Kevin Durant all season, who's missed the last nine games with a sprained MCL. And Brooklyn is 24-12 and 12 when KD plays, but just 5-10 and 10 when he doesn't suit up. And when he doesn't play, the Nets are allowing six and a half more points per game. So integrating Kyrie Irving on a part-time role, that's also been a little bit of an adjustment. He's been able to play in 10 out of 16 games since coming back on January 5th. And even though he's averaging almost 24 points per game, the Nets have won just four of those games. So back here with Chinea Gumake and Stephen A. Smith, we have spent so much time talking about the Nets this season. And they entered the year the betting favorites to win the title. And they actually still are the favorites to win the title. And that's with Kyrie Irving not being vaccinated and being on a part-time basis. That's with Kevin Durant and James Harden both missing time. But Chinea, 
Should they still be considered the favorite? They should not. Mm. Honestly, there's too many if, ands, or buts for them to be considered title favorites because at this point, we have yet to really see them consistently being pieced together. Not saying that they can't win a championship, but I equate this to them walking a tightrope. Mm. It's a very, very tightrope. Like before, maybe it was a little thicker, but now it's like <laughs> floss, okay? And when I look at the, you know, the overall landscape of the NBA, and if this is who's going to win the NBA championship, I'm looking at the Suns. I'm looking potentially at the Warriors. I'm looking at those Eastern Conference standings where Giannis and the Bucks, they know what it feels like. They know what it takes to get back there. There are so many teams that have fewer question marks around them than the Nets saying, hopefully KD's healthy. Hopefully James Harden, you know, ups his scoring. Hopefully Kyrie is available. I know we love favorites when it comes to betting and the odds, and we love that amalgamation of talent at the top, this big three. I mean, remember when they came together, it was like setting and destroying all offensive records. We just have yet to see that consistently for me to say, this team is a sure bet to win a championship. I don't disagree with you, because I've got the Warriors winning the chip. Mm. You know, the Suns, mad respect and love to them, and they could win it. Yep. Um, you, I got two of my top five MVP candidates being from the Suns, for crying out loud. But is Steph Curry going to continue to shoot the way he was shooting before Kevin Porter got on his nerves and he dropped 40? Mm. I mean, that's the Steph Curry I know and love. Klay Thompson, he's coming. He's coming. Come playoff time, he'll be ready. Draymond Green, hasn't he been out the last several weeks? I think he'll be back. James Wiseman at some point is going to be there. And so when I look at that with Toscano Anderson and Gary Payton second and Jordan Poole and these boys, I'm like, no, I got the Warriors. Wiggins. Plus, plus Wiggins, of course, can't forget the All-Star. Plus they play defense. But here's what I will say. I can't shun those who have the Brooklyn Nets as favorites for one reason and one reason. Why is that? You can't stop them. Mm. When the three of them are on the floor together, you cannot stop them. Let's understand something. Kyrie Irving is a superstar, and James Harden is having an off year in some people's eyes. He's averaging 22, 10, and 8. At some point in time, you know, again, as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, we know what time it is. And then you look at Kevin Durant, when healthy, arguably the best player on the planet in some people's eyes. To me, no debating at all. But look at Patty Mills and the contribution he's made. Look at Claxton, mm-hmm. Jones and these boys, and, and, and Brown. And I'm looking at these cats, and I'm like this. Even uh, 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 Blake Griffin, he could dunk again. I don't know if you noticed. He, <laughs> I mean, he told it, me it, that in He's not in Detroit anymore, so suddenly he could dunk. Now that he's out of the Motor <laughs> City, he could actually dunk the basketball again with his 6'9 self. I'm just saying, I'm looking at the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm like, my God. You can't stop them. and the, But the Warriors defend, and that's why, to me, the Warriors... The only not thing stopping them is availability. Right. And themselves, right? Because they haven't had that availability for the right. past two years. Zach Lowe said something interesting on the Low Post on his podcast okay. recently, and he said that he thinks the Nets are at risk, potentially, of being the greatest theoretical team <laughs> in NBA history. Yeah. Because theoretically, on paper, everything you were saying was absolutely fantastic. But if it doesn't come to fruition this year, if those rumblings, those murmurs about James Harden, and he did not sign that contract extension. He can still make the most money by staying in Brooklyn. If that comes to fruition, then it's all about what coulda, woulda, and shoulda. Because, Stephen A., you're right. Talent-wise, no one can stop them. But we have yet to see all of that talent all together for an extended period. Can I say something with both of y'all here in attendance? I've said this before, but I'm going to repeat it again. I said it months ago, but I'm dead serious about this. If these brothers do not win a championship, Do you understand that Kevin Durant is on the verge 
for being recognized more so for the guy that left Steph Curry to go with Kyrie Irving than he is for the two chips and the two finals MVPs. I didn't say we'll forget him. I didn't say we'll diminish him because he's a champion. He's a two-time champion, a two-time NBA Finals MVP. Listen, I'm saying, headline, (laughs) what he'll be known more for, what we'll be talking about. People go like this. I'll give you a perfect example. This is what Malika will do. He's a two-time champion. He's a two-time NBA Finals MVP. Do you, can you believe he left Steph for Kyrie? See the difference? I hear you, and obviously a championship would move that needle incredibly yes. far, but I also think coming back the way he has and the way he did from his injury, it's hard to overlook that in this whole conversation about what nope, he did. No, it's not. You know why? Because he's so <laughs> phenomenal. Kevin Durant is so phenomenal. He so was phenomenal. In the conversation for one of the greatest plays ever. I think that's it right there. Bam. And that's and Bam. that's it. I right. think when we think of Kevin Durant, no matter if he wins a championship or not, we're gonna say that as a seven footer, he was the greatest scorer, the most gifted. And now when it comes to teams, he chose to leave the Warriors. His but then gift and his talent makes it hard, especially if the Warriors don't win. Injury, all I'm talking about is headlines narrative. Made. I'm not talking about substance. But headlines and narrative are different than truth. But right. still ahead exactly. on NBA but today. You no know report extraordinaire. We're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers ceiling. Can AD keep this up? And is it best for Biz if Russ is dealt away to a surprise team? Hmm, all right, we'll get into that. And speaking of potential trades, do not miss what Brian Windhorst has on the most active teams at the moment ahead of the trade deadline. And what a stellar rookie class. Our panel can only choose one to build their franchise around. We'll have that conversation shortly. LA looks good on you, Stephen A. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. Welcome back to NBA Today. So Anthony Davis is still getting back in the swing of things after a month off rehabbing an ACL, excuse me, MCL sprain in his left knee. So his LeBronless Lakers, they're taking on the Blazers last night. And Davis, he showed up big time in the fourth quarter. He had 11 points, eight of his 15 boards were in the final 12 minutes of the game. So the Lakers returned home with a win after going 2-4 and four on their Eastern road trip. And the big star, the big man star, he's averaging a cool 29.3 points per game over his last three games. So take a deeper look here. He's shooting 58% while getting over 10 boards and nearly three blocks per game. So with that said, we're back with Stephen A. Smith. And simply put, how much, Stephen A., can the Lakers rely on this version of Anthony Davis showing up night in and night out for them? You can rely on Anthony Davis to put up similar numbers to that Mm. if he's healthy. The issue with him has never been his game. The issue with Anthony Davis is his health. You look at him, and you're just waiting for the crash to happen. Right. What injury is going to happen next that takes him out for a few weeks or a few months or anything like that? Nobody's ever questioned his game. The closest anybody has come to that is looking at his perimeter shooting, which is like at 17% from three-point range, for example, and saying what happened to his perimeter shot. But he was still averaging 24 and 10. This is what he's capable of doing. So when we look at Anthony Davis, in terms of him being on the court healthy, he is a formidable star that you have to contend with because he plays on both ends. He's going to block shots and he's going to rebound. The question is, can he stay healthy? And that answer almost religiously has been no, with the exception of the championship season in the bubble. Right, but when he was healthy and accepting his role because he spent a lot of time playing the five that season, what happened? You just mentioned it. He won a championship. So the third piece sort of of that whole big three is 
Russell Westbrook. Mm. And he was just one point shy of a triple-double, but had a bit of an inefficient shooting night. He was the subject of a fictional fictional trade proposal that was floated by our front office insider Bobby Marks on the Low Post podcast last week. So I'd like to bring in Bobby. Here he is now. Bobby, what was your proposed trade? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Yeah, the proposed trade was Russell Westbrook, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and Kent Bazemore in a future first-round pick to New York for Evan Fournier, uh, Kemba Walker, and Alec Burks. And I I think it's important to look at it in two ways. First, from the Lakers' perspective, having worked in the front office, the one thing we don't like to do is admit we make mistakes, right? We always want to do another deal to kind of compound it. And I think if you're looking at it from the Lakers' viewpoint, the Westbrook trade has been a mistake. And you take back three players that can help you now uh, with, you know, certainly with Walker, Fournier, and Burks. You have players like Ariza, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Kent Bazemore. I mean, you have dead weight contracts that are just sitting there right now. And I know if you're a Nick fan out there and you're saying, what do we need Russell Westbrook for, right? Two words, listless and lethargic. That's where I see this Knicks roster. It doesn't hurt you financially because your next big uh, time when you can have cap spaces in 2023, you have nine players that will still earn between 1.5 and 14.5 million. You've got all your draft assets. It's almost like next year could be a bridge year. Mm. And if that next disgruntled all-star like Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard becomes available, you still have all those trade assets to go out and make a deal. Well, you said, what would Knicks fans, why should Knicks fans want to do it? And I, I can't even tell anymore if Stephen A. is a Knicks fan. He seems so on the fence about it. But since we have a sort of <laughs> Knicks fan sitting right next to me, Stephen A., would, would you make that trade? First of all, I got a problem. I got a problem with Mr. <laughs> Just what? I got a problem with some Marks. Let me tell you something, man. You don't know that you're sitting here making this proposal, this fictional proposal in front of a Knicks fan? And don't tell me you don't know I'm a Knicks fan, Malika Andrews. Why you think I'm so damn miserable? Because the Knicks are miserable. That's why. And they have a contagious effect that has contaminated New Yorkers and Knicks fans everywhere right now. That's the bottom line. So you're going to sit up there and call the strong marks. You're going to sit up there with this fictional trade proposal. Could you do it with some enthusiasm? Could you stick your chest out? Could you say Stephen A? We're going to ignore you for a second, Malika Andrews. Could you say Stephen A? Let me, I got Sent for you. Could you make me feel better? Could you do that? You're sitting there. Well, I mean, they could do this and they could do that. I'm like, what? That's not going to help us have a decent year next year. I need your help, Sean. I need you to. I need you to tell me, yo, listen. Bobby, I'm sorry. I don't know why I keep calling you, Sean. Bobby, I apologize, Bobby. I don't know why you keep telling me. Hey, listen. Here's what I'm saying to you. I like the thought of Russell Westbrook at the Garden. I like what you just proposed. I just need you to do it more enthusiastically because I know you know the damn NBA. And you saying it with, with, with just a monotone voice is making me say, wait a minute. Is this something behind this that I don't know about? Because that's a decent <laughs> damn proposal he's making there. But he doesn't sound, Bobby doesn't sound as enthusiastic as I expected you to. 
Well, I wasn't sure what your reaction was going to be, so that's kind of why I was a little hesitant. But hey, here, he'll get you 45 wins. He'll do what he did in Washington. He'll get you to the first round. And I think what this roster is right now, I don't even know if it's a playing team. And they're not right right now. You're right. You're right. Well, right. part of the reason also that perhaps he didn't have more enthusiasm, which I love, you have to go listen to the entire Low Post podcast because there are so many interesting trades that you and Zach Lowe and Tim Bontemps and that you all propose. But as Adrian Wojnarowski is reported, as Dave McMiniman is reported, Russell Westbrook is being viewed as an immovable piece. So as much as this is fun, it's fictional. It's fictional, and maybe that has something to do with <laughs> hey, the monotone. No player in Lincoln, no player in this MB, in the NBA is untradeable. That is we fair. We all hey, listen, know that. All no I know is that is untradeable. All I know is that if Zach Lowe has said this to me on y'all podcast, he would have been smiling and left and trying to sell me on it, as opposed to just saying, I don't know if you want to do this, but this is, a, this is an idea. I don't know what version of Zach Lowe you know, but I know the grumpy Zach, so I'm not I don't, sure I don't know the, that. the grumpy <laughs> But we are one week away grumpy. from the trade deadline, and we'll have a special three-hour NBA today like from 1 though. to 4 Eastern. Before we let you go, though, Stephen A., Bobby Marks, thank you so much. Really appreciate you stopping by. And, and so does Stephen A., even if you won't say it. The yeah. NBA, good. they unveiled good. the Kobe Bryant trophy that's going to be awarded to the All-Stars game's most valuable player. So the trophy has a ton of intricate details about Kobe's legacy and celebrating him. An eight-sided base that represents number eight, the jersey that he wore the first half of his career. And then the base is two inches tall. That's referencing his 2002 All-Star game MVP. And it has 18 stars to represent his 18 All-Star selections. Do you like it, Stephen A.? I do like it. I do like it. And it's more than fitting. Happy they did it. Absolutely. Stephen A., thank you so much for joining us on NBA Today. I really appreciate it. Normally, I would thank you, but you tortured me all day about the Knicks. I'm leaving, Malika. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Still to come on NBA Today, what an unreal rookie class we have. Only one can be chosen to build around by draft guru Mike Schmitz and our panel, their picks, when we return. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Draft the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham. Cade comes from the side, swatch the shot. Oh! Cade with an answer. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. The outlet to Green. Look at Cleveland Cavaliers select Evan Mobley. Oh, mercy! What a block by Mobley! Shovels to Mobley. Oh, 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 my! How about the finish by Mobley? Welcome back to NBA Today. So take a look at the latest rookie class of the year 
odds. According to Caesars Sportsbook, Evan Mobley is the overwhelming favorite to win the award. He's followed by Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes. And if we're talking about rookies, we have to bring in the man, the myth, the legend, who literally knows them the best of anybody I have ever met. It is ESPN draft analyst Mike Schmitz. Thank you so much for being with us, Mike. Really appreciate it. So, if you want to cash any receipts now is the time. Let's get to Oof. the rookie class. I want some Schmitz superlatives here. Okay, so no receipts yet. We'll wait till the end of the year for that. But the most impactful rookie by far so far has been Evan Mobley just because of what he's done on both ends of the floor. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers are now the five seed in the East. Who would have thought that if we were talking last year Not about reach. the Cavs? And it's because of his defensive versatility, okay, here, stepping out, sliding with a dynamic guard like Trey Young. He can guard literally all five positions, then putting a lid on the rim defensively. Not fouling. Not fouling. He's been one of the best shot blockers in the entire NBA. And then, oh, a little bit of the sauce, the handle, the hezy cross, and the drop-off. He's got a great feel for for the game and he's brought out the best in Darius Garland as well because he's such an explosive lob threat now who needs to improve Jalen Green who went one spot ahead of Evan Mobley now Jalen Green had a nice game last night and a win over the Cavs but we want to see a little more efficiency from Jalen Green over his last 10 games he's shooting under 40% from two and 20% from three so he needs to just find that blend between how do I use my explosiveness and get downhill to the rim without settling for these off-balance threes. Reminds me a little bit of Anthony Edwards' rookie year. I think he still can have a big second half. The rookie to watch, Scotty Barnes. I can't yep. take my eyes off yes. of Scotty Barnes. Look at this left-handed. Woo! I mean, come on, man. There's not a lot of guys 6'8", 6'9", who can make that type of pass off the live dribble. He's been a huge driving force in Toronto, kind of hanging around that play-in game range and shooting the ball much better as well. That's a swing skill for him. Can get downhill to the rim. He's long. He's explosive. I mean, he can dunk almost without even jumping. I mean, that's like you, Chene. Oh, long arm. Bouncing. I accept that. Uh, but a lot to like about Scotty Barnes. But the most complete, the headliner. Doubting me. The number one pick. <laughs> Is Cade Cunningham. I said it all pre-draft. Cade was the most complete prospect I'd ever evaluated. Not the best, but the most complete, and it's because of what he's done on both ends of the floor. You can ISO him. He can play off the catch. Ooh. And then that step back. We Ooh. talked a lot about Luka Doncic yep. in the pre-draft. You see a little bit of that ah. with the step back there, creating space, late game, loves the moment. He was 0 for 10 against the Cavs not too many games ago. And 0 for 10 at the half, ended with 19 10 and 10 and the win. He loves the big moment. I love Cade Cunningham. I think he's eventually going to win Rookie of the Year. Oh, wow. Hot take. You know, All I right. don't think it's a hot take. I think it's been more of a slow burn. He was not able to start the season mm-hmm. like most of the rookie, you know, rookies were able to. And then, you know, everyone says, oh, it should be like, I would say, like instant um, popcorn, instant oatmeal, mm-hmm. you know. It's not real. That's not the reality of a rookie transition. So you gave him time and now he's getting better. It's going to be fun. Evan Mobley, Kate Cunningham, it's going to be fun. And watching Jalen Green in the dunk contest is Yeah, and then that's, oh going, to be that's also going to be fun. But as you mentioned, Kate Cunningham, he was the number one pick, and that also made it so that their, his expectations, mm. they were mm-hmm. up there, right? But that was last year. So here are the top available prospects heading into the 2022 draft. You can take a look. They're right behind us. Behind us, you have Chet Holmgren, you have Paolo Benchero, and then Jabari Smith. I mean, these are some incredible prospects that you, I know, are keeping an eye on better than any of us. And so can you make the case for anyone else here to be a top pick? I think that it's a three-man race right now when you talk about Chet Holmgren, when you talk about Paolo Bancaro, and then Jabari Smith. But the guy I've been most impressed with 
as of late, and I just got in last night from Auburn, Alabama. You're always on the move, this young man, Jabari Smith. He has as good a chance as anyone in this entire class to go number one, okay? You look at the elite NBA skill. What do teams want? They want guys who can shoot and who can defend. He does those at a high level at 6'10". Still needs to improve as a passer, but defensively, I really think he has Kawhi Leonard type of upside and a guy who can guard three, four positions. And then a little bit of Michael Porter in his game as well as a 6'10 shot maker with that high release. Not quite as bouncy as Michael Porter, but in terms of the height, the size, and the release can really rise up. Those are identical. Hezzy pull, right? And then, okay, back shoulder fade, right? That's his go-to in the mid-post. He's really tough to stop in those areas. Little bit of Jason Tatum. Not quite as smooth off the bounce, but a guy who can really operate inside the arc, those mid-post areas. And this is what we talk about defensively. He is a dog Mm. on that end of the floor. Active feet, active hands, climbing into the ball. And that's where you see a little bit of that Kawhi. So they're the best team in the country. He's the best player on that team at 18 years old. Not bad. I have a question for you, Schmidt. If we can bring it up. I know I'm working on the fly of those guys that you mentioned. Of those mentioned that are about to enter the ranks of the NBA, who do you think has the most star power? I think Paolo Bancaro has the most star power because of what he's able to do off the bounce. So he can really, really handle the ball at 6'10", 250 pounds. He needs to get better defensively, but there aren't a lot of guys with his size and his frame who can go get you a bucket. And that's why he reminds me a little bit of prime Blake Griffin. Not quite as bouncy, but 6'10", 250, and can push and transition. Really good passer. He can even play pick and roll as a ball handler. Here we see Lob City Blake throw it up to DJ, and that's what he's been doing all year with Mark Williams. Play out of these handoffs, these pitches. He is a load getting downhill to the rim. He can play three, he can play four, he can play five. Strong, big body. And there you see Blake, Detroit Blake, still with a little bit of bounce. (laughs) And then this is where you see some of the Carmelo, okay? I know Carmelo, one of the greatest scorers we've ever Mm. seen, but stylistically likes to get to that. The pickup, the hezzy pull in that mid-range spot. That's what makes him so dynamic as a scorer because of the strength, the ball handling, and the fact that he can go get you a bucket. Now this, biomechanically, this is like you can't grow that on trees. The unicorn, it's overused, the phrase unicorn, (laughs) but this is a, a true unicorn. You don't see him all that often, but Chet Holmgren is exactly that. And he's the best 19-year-old shot blocker I've ever seen. Like, that's the clear skill for Chet Holmgren, his ability to protect the rim and rangy defensively, too. He can get out to jump shooters. He's a really smart pick-and-roll defender. A little bit of Evan Mobley with his defensive range, okay? Evan was incredibly intelligent in pick-and-roll. So is Chet Holmgren. Now, can also handle the ball a little bit, okay? He's smooth off the bounce. The behind the back, there you see the reach, the bounce, Evan also was pushing in transition at USC, has done it even more at the NBA level. Not quite as fluid or quick as Evan, but still really smooth handling the ball. And then the three ball is pure, 45% from three. Little bit of zinger, some zingus, some New York <laughs> poor zingus for Chet Holmgren. Unicorn. So, that was a great breakdown. Thank you, Schmidt. Yeah, of course. And you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't talk about the women because tonight on ESPN at 8 Eastern, number three UCLA takes on seventh ranked Arizona in a Pac 12 clash. Hall of Famer and two-time Coach of the Year Bill Fitch died on Wednesday. He most notably led the 1981 Celtics to a title. And Fitch had a reputation for turning around franchises and took the Cavs, the Nets, the Rockets, and Clippers all to the playoffs during his 25 seasons in the league. And when the NBA celebrated its 50th anniversary, 
Fitch was named one of the top 10 coaches of all time. He was 89 years old. David Robinson of the San Antonio Spurs formed a new team, a group of educators who built and now operate a charter school in the city. We wanted to provide an opportunity for the local families to get a high-level education for their kids. Carver Academy was the first of its kind to serve lower-income families in the San Antonio region. Thank you, Mr. Robinson! Welcome back to NBA Today. So it's time to go coast to coast. And we have to start with the 76ers because they had their five-game winning streak snapped last night at the hands of the Wizards. Spencer Dinwiddie, he posted his first career triple-double in the Wizards. Hey, Spencer. How concerning of a loss is this for Philly, though? It's not that big of a loss. Prior, you know, they had their five-game win streak, which is not bad. And, of course, Joel Embiid has been playing monstrous basketball, so I'm not panicking. Don't panic yet. All right, the Thunder. They went into Dallas and beat the Mavs in overtime. That's despite 40 points from Luka Doncic. And Lou Dort, he scored 14. Dort! To lead the way for OKC. So was this more about the Mavs or the Thunder today? I would say it's more about the Thunder who have found ways to remain competitive. And that's exactly what you want from young players. But I want the Mavs to also consistently win games because we need Luka Magic in the playoffs. Absolutely. And in some other news, the WNBA announced a $75 million capital raise to aid growth strategies. So the raise involves new investors and existing WNBA and NBA owners and was funded by selling equity in the WNBA. So the league says the proceeds will go towards marketing, brand elevation, and globalization of the league, among some other things. So, Chinay, what's the significance of the W raising this much money? First of all, kudos to our commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, for bringing this all together. And I love it. And there are some parts of our game that needs to be invested in, like from the fan perspective, our website, our app, and so many different points of view digitally. So this is enhancing that infrastructure. But I would like to say it would not be remiss on a week where a lot of people were talking about the WNBA player experience, I hope that's incorporated in that as well. Because, yeah, I mean, we, we do have our CBA. We do have great opportunities to compete in the best league for women's basketball in the world. But as much as we're advancing the game and the experiences of the fans, and yeah, I just hope that the players are incorporated in a small part, at least, to hopefully make everything a little bit more equitable just in general. Well, invest in women has become such a tagline over the last couple of years, but what does that actually mean in practice? This is putting some proof in the pudding, but when you invest in women, you also have to listen to the women that it affects. Works when hand those in hand. two things go hand in hand, that's when some real change can be made. But, Shanae, yes. coming up, we have a little bit more on NBA Today because Brian Windhorst joins the show to preview the trade deadline. So who are the players and teams most in need of a trade? You'll hear it in 60 seconds. Let's go, Knicks. Julius Randle has become a three-level scorer. He is a top five player in the NBA today. It's Saturday primetime. Knicks Lakers on ABC. Hi, I'm Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today. And on Thursday, February 10th, tune in to our NBA trade deadline special from 1 to 4 Eastern. We're going to have all the Woj bombs, including our top NBA analysts, with insight on all trades around the league. So catch NBA Today on February 10th from 1 to 4 Eastern on ESPN. 
So we have just one week until the trade deadline, and Brian Windhorse is here to help preview which teams are going to be the most active. So, Brian, we know about the obvious contenders looking to make a little bit of a playoff push here, but give us a surprise team that you expect to be aggressive at the deadline. Yeah, Malika, New Orleans Pelicans have been really aggressive trying to add a, a guard or a perimeter scorer, and they're in 11th place right now. And even though we don't have an update on Zion Williamson for a month, and I don't think that's a good thing, they're out there talking to the Trailblazers about C.J. McCollum, talking to the Kings about De'Aaron Fox, talking to the Rockets about Eric Gordon. They're offering Josh Hart and various draft picks. We'll see if they get something done. Um, but they are a team that is probably going to try to do something relatively soon. So what team, Brian, has the most options available to them over the next week? Yeah, I just mentioned De'Aaron Fox and the Kings. Like, Maybe they're going to trade Harrison Barnes. Maybe they're going to trade Fox. Maybe they're going to trade Buddy Heald. Maybe they're going to trade none of them. They're involved in conversations everywhere. Um, Woj reported last week that they're out on Ben Simmons, but nobody actually believes that. Uh, keep an eye on them in New Orleans because De'Aaron Fox has a background and family in New Orleans. I think there's interest on his level. It's just a matter of seeing whether they can agree. By the way, the, the, the Pelicans have the Lakers' first-round pick if it falls in the top 10. If LeBron keeps missing games... Who knows whether that might come true. Right, and there, there are some hard decisions that are going to be made this week. So what team is the most difficult? What team is in the most difficult spot before the deadline? Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. I got to say the Utah Jazz because they are, they have been struggling recently. Obviously, Gobert and Donovan Mitchell have been out, yeah. but they need to upgrade their defense. They were number three defense in the league last year when they had the best record. This year, they're 14th, and their number one trade chip, Joe Ingles, unfortunately just got injured and is out for the year. And they they've, they're already out two first round picks. They need an upgrade. They need help defensively, and I'm not sure how they're going to be able to figure out how to get it. And they're sliding back in the standings. Okay, so we've talked about the Jazz. We've talked about the Pelicans. We touched on the Kings. But I hear you have a mystery team for us that could be a big player at the deadline. Who is that? Yeah, the, the Los Angeles Clippers, Malika, are ca making calls looking to offload salary. And that huh. has some teams scratching their head. First off, we don't know what's going on with Paul George. Paul George might be done for the season. He might be back after the All-Star break. They're not saying. They're keeping it quiet for a reason. But as they've talked to teams in, in recent days, they've been looking to move some big contracts to get off of money. But they have the richest owner in all of sports. Are they looking to save money or are they, are they putting together expiring contracts looking to go big game hunting somewhere else or it's all just a smokescreen. Hmm. Clippers are a mystery team with a week to go. They are absolutely a mystery team, and they have been for a little bit. Brian Windhorst, thank you so much. We'll be talking much more leading up to that February 10th trade deadline show, which you're going to be a part of. What are yes. you watching the most as we lead up to that road? I want to see a major move, but more importantly, I think we ran Stephen A. out of here. Good work, sis. We did it. Guess what? <laughs> NFL Live is coming up next. Hey, look at us. <laughs> look I, mean, at us. I think we should probably go get something to celebrate. We should. We we should. Something. Yeah, that sounds good.